That's right, it's time for us to dissect and analyze current news affecting Malaysians. On our panel today, Terence Fernandez, veteran journalist and Pauline Leong, academic with the Department of Communication School of Arts from Sunway University. Now, our first article is, of course, it's in the news every single day, the coronavirus. Now, the WHO has made it official. It is the first global health emergency of our new era. And, you know, it is affecting global markets and geopolitics with its impact still too early at this point to fully measure. Now, our question is, how are all international markets affected by this outbreak? Terence? Yeah. Talking about how it's going to affect the, the market, if you remember SARS yeah. um, caused the Chinese market alone to be slashed by, by 1%. They are estimating that coronavirus is going to see a demise in growth by up to 6% in China alone. Wow. And it's also going to affect the American markets, as you know, because a lot of American manufacturing markets, many manufacturing facilities are in China. They depend on China. Uh, yes. Yeah. For example, Starbucks and uh, McDonald's restaurants uh, have been closed. Uh, Apple have ceased operations for now. And the provinces where the manufacturing and commodities markets in China uh, located uh, are on lockdown. Mm. So definitely, you know, if you look at the supply chain alone, it's going to affect everybody. And the market in China opened at, uh, there was an 8% uh, slash when they opened the market after the long Chinese New Year holidays. Right. Yeah. So when it affects China, it in this case now, it affects everybody, every. right, Pauline? What do you think yeah, about Yeah, definitely. Especially the tourism sector. You know that the Chinese market is very big everywhere. They are very uh, well-traveled. And I even read the news recently that um, food outlets in Jubo Changi, you, you, which used to be you know well-patronized, they've been, uh, it's like you can get seats and, and there's no queues, you know. So yeah. that's one of the consequences, you know, with uh, food outlets as well as retail that rely on tourism. And even Macau, actually. I mean, yeah. casinos, we're told to shut for two weeks. Even Genting, we just yep. saw a picture early this morning right. parking lots are of empty. the parking, parking lots, lots empty. being empty. Yeah. So, like, which sectors in Malaysia, besides tourism, of course, would be affected, you know, and how will this affect us Malaysians? FNB, for that matter, tourism, like you said, anything to do with services, but also manufacturing, for instance, where some plants have been uh, reducing their, their output because of self-imposed quarantines. For example, I am a uh, consultant for a few construction companies and some of those companies have uh, workers from China and they have been put on compulsory 14-day quarantine up- upon return from the from the mainland and this has definitely slowed progress on some of these projects. Right. Our next article is about our youth and sports minister Said Sadiq. He was mobbed apparently well, when having dinner with his family in Ulutiram and it started commotion. So, in your opinion, could this situation have been handled better you know do you think he should have just stayed and stood his ground since he didn't do anything wrong he was just having dinner Pauline let's start with you so usually when it comes to situations of very acute stress people have two responses either you fight or there's flight so it's a survival mechanism and actually to me right it's very difficult for us to say whether he should have stood his ground there or not because we were not there we did not know how the mob was the group was was it very violent you know and was he like you know a small group 
was just a large group. So I think that, you no, know, well, he, he took the, the situation and assessed it and it was, you know, just um, something that was just automatic, you know, and I don't think we can fault him because we were not there to assess the situation. Right. Terence was smiling when we first started getting into this. <laughs> what do you think, Terence? Look, the report said there were about 200, 200 yeah. uh, mud room pits there and the... Black I and red shirts, you know. The, the best thing to do is to get out of that situation. But Syed Sadiq always finds himself in very Instagrammable situations. Yeah. Uh, he's this, a meme now. He's a meme now, exactly. He's yeah. a meme now. I mean, it was it's this, it was, you know, him topless in a, an ice bath and then there was him in hospital next to Toon City Hasma and then there was this, he posed with his cat with this suspicious looking mark on his neck. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, all that aside, I mean, uh, it, it, it went viral as it was intended to and... <laughs> <laughs> and the question is what happened to his security detail yeah. now I am told that he only has one bodyguard from the from the ministry and one corporal assigned by Bukit Aman to take care of him so obviously regular ministers do not get the same kind of protection that the prime minister and deputy prime minister have so maybe you know of course there's a review on what happened on that day you know uh, there's a review by security by Bukit Aman and they should come up with some kind of SOPs review the SOPs on how to better protect the ministers if they did protect. Next news article is about AirAsia of course. Well, they said that they are not involved in any way with the investigation uh, that the United Kingdom's serious fraud office is doing or they, w- they were not given any opportunity to provide information as well. But the executive chairman as well as the CEO have relinquished their position. My question is what does this mean for AirAsia with the founders stepping down for at least two months or more. There's a question, where does Tony Fernandez end and AirAsia begin, right? Because um, he is AirAsia. <laughs> he is AirAsia yeah. Air for that matter. But operationally, AirAsia will continue to run. The reason for step for Kamaluri Maranun and Tony Fernandez to step down was to give some breathing space for the airline to recover where its uh, reputation is concerned and also more importantly uh, not involved in any more uh, board decisions think, right. uh, deliberations and, right. and decisions so of course where Air Asia is concerned as an aviation company is very it's a very lucrative company I would still put money in it uh, if I was an investor yeah. you know it's, it's run well Bolly, what do you think? Yeah I echo what uh, Tyron said you know, I guess this is move is also to allow the company's operations to function smoothly without being impacted too much because there's a lot of publicity going on and if the focus is on you know the, the issue itself then the company might be impacted in terms of its operation so um, it's just to allow breathing space like, like what uh, Terence said so this breathing space might be two months might be longer if they don't come back how how will this affect AirAsia though let's just say they don't want to come back okay if they if they don't come back which I doubt of course the concern is will AirAsia continue to be run the way it is run mm. today you know because it's very personality driven but I think you will see some sell down in the interim period but whatever issues that AirAsia has been having with the shares today yeah I mean it dropped for a while yeah. then after they started to come up again it rebounded yeah, yeah. yeah there was a certain announcement by someone further up right uh, so, yeah yeah <laughs> our next news article well it's about our ties with Pakistan now Pakistan says that they will buy more palm oil from us and Prime Minister Imran Khan actually said that he will try to compensate after top buyer India put curbs on Malaysian imports last month. So the question is, what prompted this partnership? Hmm. Well, of course, our beloved Prime Minister has been agitating India for the last few months. And How did it even start? Yeah. It started with our support for the Kashmir, uh, or, or, or rather our opinions on what happened in Kashmir. Mm. 
and uh, we had opposing ideas, opinions on on it, and it didn't go down well with Modi. And uh, they throw their support behind Pakistan without actually looking into the issues itself and uh, the consequences to to our people. Our people, for example, okay, where oil palm is concerned, India imported. Four billion US dollars worth of palm oil last year. Pakistan only imported one one billion. So if they want to increase their imports by how much? Yeah, that is the question. What was our relationship with Pakistan like even before? I mean, like right now, it just seems very, very warm. Very, very. It's a new. It, everybody says that it's a new relationship. It's not really a new relationship. Is it more? I'm not saying they're enemies, but is it for Pakistan? Is it the enemy of my enemies, my friend? I guess we have to figure out what exactly is our priority. So in this case, it seems that trade is less of an issue. Yes, you know, a compared to yeah. yeah, but palm oil is a major issue here, isn't it? Of course, palm oil is a major issue. If you talk to the people in the industry, they say that you know it will rebound, you know, you know, you know, in time to come because of the quality of our palm oil. It's premium grade uh, quality as opposed to the ones that India is now importing from Indonesia. So eventually, hopefully, the Indian market will react to this uh, so-called blockade. Of uh, Malaysian palm oil and uh, and start increasing their uh, imports of Malaysian palm oil again only be- because of the quality of the palm oil that we have. Right. And uh, but and, and also at the end of the day, it's it's also, it's also business because we have also reduced our pricing. Things uh, five dollars a barrel or something like that. I can't, I, I can't remember of our exports of palm oil to India. So if the price is right, they'll come back. Palm oil is one thing, but another thing is I just want to know like, onions. Yeah, our ah, Pakistan's, you and your onions. Are Pakistan's onions any good? Maybe we might start importing onions from them. <laughs> our next article: Well, the Malaysian bar has urged Putrajaya to impose a moratorium on a law criminalizing suicide after a disabled man who attempted suicide was jailed. My question is like, why was this law in place in the first place? I mean, why do we jail people who attempt suicide? I think one of the reasons is for deterrence. We don't want this this uh, attempting suicide to uh, to occur because you know it does have an impact on society. So one of the reasons for laws to be introduced is as a form of deterrence. But the question now is that are these laws effective? Is it an effective deterrent? And so that's a question that which the bar council has raised whether this is actually an archaic law and should be uh, removed. You know, because and de- decriminalized because these people who attempt suicide actually need help rather than going to jail. Like for this person that went to jail, you know, uh, he actually needs psychological help and counseling. And can you get that in jail? So mm. that's the whole issue about this um, move to decriminalize. Yes, Terence, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think it's a very stupid law, right? It, <laughs> it, it, it gets it gets down to economics as well, right? Financials as well. Which one is cheaper to manage? To put them behind bars or put them in a rehabilitation center, right? So obviously, if you if you're talking about, but yeah, of course they need rehabilitation. Of course, it's, it's going to it's going to cost more, yeah. perhaps for rehab. Yeah. But the consequences of them being put in jail is a lot more dire. Yeah. You know, they might end up offing themselves in in their exactly. In, in, so in their cell. doesn't this sound a bit like someone sweeping things under the carpet? Like put them where people won't see them. I think at uh, section three zero nine of the penal code which makes it an, an offence 
to attempt suicide was a law mm. that was taken from an archaic British law, the 1961 Suicide Act, which the British themselves have done away with. So what we should focus now is on rehab. I, I read some articles with regards to this this particular unfortunate gentleman. In the last 10 years, this has been only the third case of suicide attempt reported to that suicide attempt has come to the courts. Now, the courts have no choice because they have to just look at the penal code. There's no discretionary powers for the judges. And so they have to impose what the penal code tells you. Because it's black and white, there are mm. no shades of grey there. Mm. Which is jail and a, a jail and a, and a fine. Now, the question, so the people whose heads should be knocked are the people in the AG's chambers. Why did you charge? Instead of getting them the help, the help they need, they need yeah. to send them to rehab, why do you, you know, who, this DPP decided to charge this poor guy? Because yeah, you're not fixing the problem. You're not fixing, fixing the problem.